0: Welcome to Three Books, an ELA-area public library podcast. I'm Kristen Weiser. And I'm Becca Boland. Welcome back to episode seven, which technically is our book buzz
1: episode,
0: but subtitle, April is the cruelest month because
1: weather. I think it can just be April is the cruelest month because weather. So get ready for good books. Woohoo, something to do while it's snowing. Speaking of six more, <laughs> young adult young fiction. adult. Um, so I mentioned Blood, Water, Paint by Joy McCullough, who that may or may not be the way she pronounces her name. That's how I'm pronouncing it. Last time I couldn't remember the order of those words, so I wanted to <laughs> make true. sure that I said that. It's Blood, Water, Paint. I also wanted to mention that there's a really good reader's guide for it. So I challenge you, if you are in a book club, occasionally choose a YA book, just to mix things up. And if you want to throw a YA novel in verse at them, this is the one. Um, and I just wanted to read, so you can get a sense of the the, pro, the verse in it, um, just one little excerpt. Um, when a woman risks her place, her very life to speak, a truth the world despises, believe her always and gosh this book i'm gonna read it again because i actually did choose it for my book club so we'll see how that goes with a group of adults um i think they are going to be in love with it i think they are too um and the artist's name is Art artemisa gentileshi You would think that somewhere in this. um... I think you got it. Okay. Um, And anyway, she was an Italian Baroque painter, um, feminist icon, um, and I I talked about it a little bit last time, so I'm not going to go into it super deeply, but I just wanted to make sure that I did give it the proper um, call out that it deserves because it's a good one. So the next one, again, we touched on it real briefly, um, is Fury Born by Claire Legrand. Um, The tagline for this book is, two queens will rise, the world will fall, which is just excellent. Yes. And so the the basic concept of this book is that there are two women in two different times, one long, long ago and one Mm modern-ish, and... There is this prophecy about a sun queen and a blood queen, and one of them is meant to save the world, and the other one is meant to destroy it. And so as you're reading between these two points of view, you kind of go back and forth about, like, which one is which, or are they even them? Yeah. Um, And it's true fantasy. And, again, this book comes out... In May of 2018 I believe it's May 22nd I'll put the exact date in the show notes but it is May and this book is another book that is getting a ton of really great press it keeps showing up in like Bustle and Entertainment Weekly and all of this other stuff um, and it's the first I think this is a duology I think there are two books um, and it's just like again, true fantasy um, she wanted to write about women who are not perfect um, but like go out and have opinions and fight hard and um, sometimes make mistakes but um, ultimately are the heroes of the story and um, and that was super important to her. And hers is... Her elevator pitch also involves The Last Airbender. Um, yeah. But I can't remember who... What the other book is. Good question. So clearly, The Last Airbender had a real impact on a generation <laughs> of fantasy writers. Again, like, I am not a fantasy reader, but both of these books have really drawn me in. Why do you think that is a really good question I think ultimately the writing is really good for both of them mm-hmm. the story is great for both of them um, and they're both the kind of stories that make you want to keep reading and find out what happens next mm-hmm. um, I think that the issue that I've had with fantasy in the past is that I don't relate to it at all mm-hmm. like there's nothing about it that speaks to me, and I don't. I I just there's something about these books that really speak to me. Um, it's they're. I think ultimately though, it's really the story, and they're both the kind of books where it's like, oh, I need to know what happens next. Yeah. Wait, what happens next? Um, and there's not so much going on. And maybe that's the other thing that I've had issue with in the past is like. There are these worlds where I have to learn the whole world and I have to learn all the characters and I have to learn the weird creatures that live there and I have to <laughs> learn like all of the ins and outs. Um but I feel like even though these are both like true fantasy novels, there's there's still like a anchor mm. in in this world that I can relate to. It's yeah. not completely or maybe I'm just evolving as a reader. <gasps> what what? No, maybe, maybe maybe Harry Potter just finally made me. Turn it was the it. gateway. It was the gateway series. Um, but anyway, and now I'm looking at it, and like my other my other ones are. Darn it! None of these are realistic. Um, <laughs> so they also have a quiz, um, but there's only two queens, so yeah. it's not like the other one where there's twelve possibilities. Um, And Kristen and I, of course, both got the Sun Queen, um, which I was thrilled with, and Kristen is disappointed about, (laughs) um, which I think speaks to why there needs to be more than two options in a in a thing non-binary, yeah, world. Oh, oh! Speaking of, that's one of the things about this book that I think is really great is that um, she said that in the next book, there's definitely um, non-binary characters. And I think even
0: now they're both oh they're they're both by we know that in the first book? Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. And it's not like a in your face kind of thing. It's yeah. just like a thing that happens. Like normal. Like in <sighs> real what? life. Stop it. <laughs> um and it's not like super in your face or it's not pushing an agenda. It's just a thing that happens, which is like the great thing about what's happening in books is that and maybe that even goes back to the Meg Willitzer conversation of like, yeah. not everything has to be like things that happen in real life, like diversity, like different religions, like disability, all of those things in in books in the past, it became the thing. Oh, it was like here's the here comes the person with the wheelchair, look at the person with the wheelchair, there's a person with the wheelchair in this book, opposed to just like, you're reading the book and all of a sudden you realize that this character is in a wheelchair, and it's not a red flashing light of like, this is a disability book, it's just like, this is a thing, one of many characteristics Mm -hmm. of this person, just like in real life, like... Being in a wheelchair does not define you. Your sexuality does not define you. Mm-hmm. The color of your skin does not define you. Um, it's just one facet of who you are as a human. Um, and I love that literature is moving. And it, it's been there in some ways, but just more and more, it's like, we're not going to make this like issues corner. We're just going to talk about this thing because it's a thing that happens mm-hmm. to this character. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Am I making sense? I get it. Do you understand the words that are coming from? Well, so we're going to talk about later, or later, <laughs> or later, or later. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, well let's Should call we? it back when we get there. Yeah, we will. Do we need to talk about it now? Or no? I think I think we'll talk about it. Okay. In my in my mind grapes, it will be different. <laughs> I hope you don't going to talk about it in your mind grapes. It'll I'll stay won't. in your mind grapes <laughs> for when we out. need to I'll discuss let it. it. Out. it. Okay, so anyway, Fury Born by Claire Legrand, um, another great fantasy book. This is another one of the, the big fantasy books of um, 2018 for YA. Yeah, and also she's a librarian. Is she a librarian or does she work in a library? She's a degree librarian. Oh. hmm So yay. Yay. So there's hope for all you librarians. Who secretly want to be novelists when uh-huh. you are. I can't think of anyone in this room that has those feelings. No. Okay, so the third book came out in February. So you can go get this one right now, y'all. Um, it's The Bells by Danielle Clayton. Um Danielle? Danielle. It's Danielle, not Danielle. Danielle. Because she goes by Don, I think. Um, or they go by Don. I'm not sure what her pronouns are. This book is a fantasy book. <laughs> <laughs> no. Who am I? <laughs> uh, I don't even you know, know me a, The publishing industry
0: is not helping you because well. they're churning out YA like crazy pants. I mean, fantasy YA. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um,
1: Specifically. I mean, there's just... I feel like they didn't know what to do after Hunger Games. Like after Harry Potter, okay. So there was Harry Potter, yeah, and then there was the vampires, yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Twilight, yeah, um, you're right. and Ooh. then there was the Hunger Games, right? Dystopian, dystopian. So it was like fantasy, uh, supernatural. Fantasy, yeah. Oh, and in this made me remember because Fury Born, um, it's they're angels. Some of the people are angels, okay. and some of them aren't. Um, and it's like this fight between angels and mortals. Um, but it doesn't—it's not bad. Like some um, other YA Angel series that I won't name right this second. I could, but I won't. Okay. Do we have different differing opinions about these series? I don't know. Is it something we've talked about? I don't know. No, I'm wondering. Is it Fallen by Becca Fitzpatrick? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So— I'm not recommending that one. Now I have to come up with two other books I don't recommend. <laughs> <You know. laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's the black anyway, hole. <laughs> I had some patrons that were deeply into that book, um, and I did book talk it, but it hurt a little. Um, any, the, what doesn't hurt to recommend is The Bells. Oh, thank goodness. So The Bells are these group of women, young women, who are descendants of the gods and they have the ability to change the way that somebody looks um, so something has happened in this place where um, with the exception of the bells everyone's skin has turned grey and their eyes have turned red oh. and so what? Did it oh my gosh it's stunning Um so they, everyone in this world goes to the Bells to have their skin and hair and eyes and just general body um, worked, worked on. <laughs> I mean, kind of. It's yeah, like plastic surgery, kind of, but yeah, magic. Um, and so, like, different years will have different um, attributes that are really hot. So, like, one year, like... Dark skin, as dark as it can be, with like bright blue hair, is like the fashion, and then another year it'll be like, um, white, white, white sheet of paper, white skin, and you know, whatever green eyes and red hair, or whatever is the thing, um, that's like in vogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Bells, every generation they come. There's like a hint of Hunger Games in it, just in that like, if you liked, yeah. Um, which one was the one? Effie. Yeah. Effie Trinket. Yeah. Like if you liked the fashion part of Hunger Games. In the capital. This, yeah. In the capital. Mm-hmm. This, this will um, appeal to you, but it's not, that's kind of where the comparisons end, as far as I'm concerned. mm mm-hmm. um, So anyway, there's a group of Bells, um, and they're trained from the time that they're little, they live all together, they're raised together, um, they learn to use their skills together, and then when the time comes for the one set of Bells to retire, they come in front of the royal court, and they each kind of, like, quote-unquote, perform, um, something magical. They transform someone, new hair, new eyes, um, new bone structure sometimes, um, And the one who shows the most promise is assigned to the royal court. Um, And then everyone else is kind of sent out into the suburbs. I don't know. Oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) The cities, the rest (laughs) of the suburbs. There's like different houses where the bells are. And of course, everybody wants to be in the royal court. Mm -hmm. Or do they? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Um, This book was so interesting and the concept i think was so original also they have <laughs> pets that are teacup size. what but they're like elephants and what? tigers oh my and i want an elephant a teacup elephant with every fiber of my being yeah so if we can make that happen that would be great in a safe way for both the elephants and the people <laughs> um yes please Can you imagine? What animal would you have as a teacup animal? Well, a dragon. I I think there might be a dragon. That would be amazing. There's some sort of flying animal. (laughs) And I feel like it's not a bird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And all of the flying mammals that are currently in existence are already teacup-sized. So it can't yeah. be one of those. I mean, I was
0: going to say a teacup pig, but you can already kind of get those. Oh. But I still actually kind of want one.
1: But then I would stay. Would well, do they stay that size, or do they just start? Well, that it depends size?
0: On if you get one that is like really a miniature uh-huh. versus ones that they just call teacup cup pigs actually grow of <laughs> like, like dog, dog bowl. Cup. Yes, dog bowl, <laughs> dog bowl, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dog bowl <mixed>. bathtub pigs. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to be careful, especially apparently.
1: Yeah. Oh man. That sounds like yep. beautiful magic. Yep. Um, so anyway, this book, man, I had the great pleasure and honor of reading it before it came out, um, like some of these other books we're talking about. And then I died a little bit because I realized that like all I wanted was the next book. Because I got to like the last quarter-ish, and I was like, oh, I'll read one more chapter and then go to bed. And then the next thing I knew, it was 2 a.m. I had finished the book. And I was like, what the what? (laughs) Um, And I was like, I need the next book. And I was like, you fool. The first book hasn't even come out yet. So that is like, people are like, oh, you guys are so lucky you get to read books before they come out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yes, yes. We are very lucky. And it's one of the perks of our job. But then you encounter a book like this and you're like, I need the next book. And I still have to wait four bu- four months for this book to come out. I'm sorry that <sighs> happened to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Um, so anyway, the bells, it's great. Um, Dread Nation by Justina Ireland also has come out already. Um, it is out. Uh, I know there's one thing about this book that you really don't like. What?
0: Remind me what I don't like. The beveled. Oh. The deckle deckle, deckle pages. Deckle pages. So if you have
1: a a deckle page issue, just be aware of it. Maybe try this one on audio. Um, Other than that, this book is a post-reconstruction story about Mm -hmm. zombies. So, (sighs) YA. Gosh, (laughs) If you don't read YA, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Um, It's so good. Um, So the author wrote this book because she read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies Mm -hmm. and was like, white people wouldn't be sent out to kill those zombies. It would be black people and Native Americans that would be forced to go out and kill those zombies. And so she, that concept, like, she was like, oh, that's where I'm going to be, that's going to be the jumping off point for this. So basically, it's, you know, post, just very recently post-Civil War, um, the zombies are rising out of the fields of Gettysburg. Oh, wow. Um, And when you're 12, if you are a person of color, you have to go to these schools to learn to fight zombies. But the problem is... The training isn't great. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So um, it's definitely a story about racism, and it's definitely reflective of that time and this time, too. But it's also a zombie story. And her weapon of choice is a sickle. Oh, interesting. If you got to take a head off. I mean, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And like at that time, you wouldn't want to be reloading a musket. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the zombies are slow, but they're not that slow. Mm. Um, so anyway, the cover is gorgeous, which we've we've talked about it already. Is, it is gorgeous. It's good. It's I believe it's the first in in a series, because um, you can't mm-hmm. just have one book about post Civil War zombie killers. Don't be silly. I, I mean, would never. Going to be an issue They're just for a going to keep coming back. Yeah, that's the thing about zombies. Yep. Um, so anyway, that's Dread Nation. Um, that's one that we we both got at the conference yep. as well because it had just come out. Um, so check that out if you're looking for something that apparently isn't YA fantasy because that's where I am <laughs> um, now. There's not
0: a lot around the Civil War right now. I feel like with. Lord House Anderson and the Chains series. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing a lot. So maybe we'll see some more Civil War fiction.
1: Maybe. Yeah, zombies came back. <laughs> 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 um, there was a, 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 a around the Twilighty time when it was a lot of supernatural stuff. Yeah. There was a Definitely a bunch of zombie books that came out then yeah. for YA. But I haven't even seen a ton of zombie books lately. No, I mean zombies never fully go away. But um, that's the <laughs> thing about Difficult to zombies. eradicate. <laughs> um, but yeah, there haven't hasn't been the influx. No, no. Mm-hmm. So and it was um, that same like, and the zombie thing went right into the dystopian right thing too. So they kind of stuck around in that time too. Mm-hmm. Depending on what kind of zombies they were. Yeah. So, yeah. So that is our, our YA section. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about... God, this is the worst transition. That's fine, though. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> is, um comics and graphic novels. Um, go ahead and start with this guy.
0: So... Uh, I had to do a shout out to Quirk Books because their books are actually quirky. So well done there. It says, you know, it is exactly what it says on the
1: tin. They only publish, like, a few handfuls of books every year. So, like, they're very, you can tell they're very choosy Mm -hmm. about what they publish. And it definitely has to fit into their brand. Um, So it's, like, the book that looks like an Ikea catalog but is actually a, Horror Story, um, which I think is actually called Horror Store, and like there might be an umlaut over the O. Um, <laughs> what are some other ones? They just had a did choose do your Adverse own. Is Obscura or is that? I think that's somebody else. Okay. Um, they did. There's a choose-your own adventure book that just came out that they published. The one that's like a Regency romance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, that people are loving, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, so their stuff is quirky, yeah. And this one, and um, it's called
0: Manfred the Man. <laughs> By Caitlin Major and Kelly Basto. Caitlin Major is a Toronto based comics writer and illustrator, um, and she has some web comics and she's done some animation um, for uh, uh, Skyship Entertainment in Toronto. And Kelly Basto was the illustrator for the book. She's worked, you you would recognize some of her artwork if you liked The Lumberjanes and Adventure Time. She's contributed to those. and this book is for people who love cats um, and quirky humor. Uh, the premise of the story is just flipping the the relation the the cat lover and the cat owner relationship. So it's about humanoid cats. Mm-hmm. Um, they walk upright. They have jobs. They drive cars. They're human like, you know. They can be the average adult height of five to six feet (laughs) Um, and they have pet men these little diminutive kind of silly little men who they care for and are quirky and temperamental and all the things that you would attribute to a cat Um, but in these, these little dudes, um, it's, the first half of the book is really just giggling over the absurdity of it all and, you know, enjoying being a cat lover with that being turned on its head. Um, and I, obviously, I loved it because I am a confirmed cat lady, um, and, Uh, Steve Katzen is the main character. He's a bit of a klutz and a total underachiever, and he's got sort of a dead-end job he does not love. It involves making phone calls all day, which
1: sounds like torture. It might even be, like, customer service phone calls. Oh, Lord. Like, people call when they're upset about stuff, Yes, yes. And,
0: um, and kind of the only his friends are all his cat friends are all married they've got kittens and wives and um he has his little man Manfred, and that's sort of like the only thing he can like care about and take care of and he gets made fun of because when all of his friends are having birthday parties for their
1: kids he's got the photo album of Manfred that he's showing and so he's kind of a joke he's like under the table with the his friend's man um, playing with that instead of interacting interacting with other cats. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And he kind of has like the worst of the worst day in his life. He gets fired and then in his distraction he leaves the window open in his living room and his pet Manfred gets out and it's the worst and so it becomes his hunt to find Manfred before he's hit by a car or attacked by roving feral men, and um, it's just like you can't—I like read it without chuckling the whole way through. Um, and some of the, the, the pull-out things that I loved was, um, you know, instead of meowing, of course, Manfred says "Hey, hey, hey!" And so I had that YouTube video in my head the whole time, where somebody dubbed over a cat meowing with "Hey." Um, my we will niece link to that. Yeah, we, we wills. My my niece learned to talk because of that video. Her <laughs> first word was "hey," <laughs> and then yeah. <ew>. Maybe she's <laughs> actually a cat. She might. She actually might could be a cat. <laughs> um, The man food is canned, like, whole cheeseburgers, which, like, is hysterical to me. I don't
1: know why. Like, I don't think I would have thought of that, but I love that this writer and illustrator did. Um, I like that one of the cans was called Winner Winner Chicken. (laughs) Yeah, it was. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, just, uh,
0: I love that there's people in the world that sat down and, like, thought of this. Mm -hmm. It makes my heart very happy. Um... And he like Manfred has a little you know newspaper that he reads, so yeah. he has some like human attributes, but there's still like the tongue in cheek like pet aspect to him. Um, the only question I have for these for the writer is where do the little pet men come from? Because they are literally all men. Yeah. So maybe that's the sequel. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. I'm waiting. Yeah. for some answers there. Um, and I just write I thought a letter. Was, I will. Oh, like a real letter? I mean, like, like on pen and paper? Sure. Mail it to Toronto. Yeah, I will. Okay, I'll do that. Um, so I just thought it was endearing, quirky, and hilarious. Um, the graphic novel is available May first. Um, so
1: get your hands on that mm-hmm. for sure. It's a joy. It is. I'm not a cat person, but I did enjoy it. So, yeah, yeah, there's that.
0: The next one that we talked about last time a bit is Bingo Love by T. Franklin um, with artwork from Jen St. Ange and uh, Joyce San. Um, And this one was crowdfunded in, like, five days. And, again, I think that's proof that these are stories that we want to hear from perspectives that we want to hear. It's about... I think this, to me, this graphic novel reminded me of Grace and Frankie, if the wives had come out instead oh, of the husbands. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they get the the happy ending, um, but it starts out in you know nineteen sixties, nineteen sixty three, and it's based on Owen
1: Bingo. Is yeah, the 60s, you're right. right. Well done.
0: Thank you. It's basically off the off of the author's life. Um, she didn't uh, come out as a lesbian until after she had already been married and had children and she has two daughters um and it wasn't until after her you know she was divorced and and that that she sort of she was able to like live her true life um and she based the personalities off the two main characters off of her daughter's personalities um so it's very personal to her um but I think like so this is kinda of going back to our earlier conversation about normalizing other narratives mm-hmm. and just sort of letting them be seamlessly intertwined into a like story. A good story is a good story. Yeah. Um we gave I gave a copy of the of Bingo Love to our one of our makerspace assistants and she came back and she was all teary eyed and she said, I had to tell all my friends about it because it's a story about us and nobody died. <laughs> and literally like Yeah, it doesn't have to be traumatic. You could tell the story of two women who did have a traumatic childhood and that they were told that their relationship was disgusting and wrong, Mm -hmm. but they reconnect later. They've married, they've had kids, but when they come back together, they finally do get to have their happy ending, and it's um, normal, and it's okay. And there, there can be a happy ending for people who feel like, in part of their life, they were not able to come out and they were not able to be accepted by their family or the church or friends or society or work or wherever they were experiencing that pressure. And so to hear, like have like, we need more, more of that for sure. Um, it is a standalone novel. It's not intended to be told serious, serially, um, but there are, for people who were part of the Kickstarter or crowdfunding, um, they did have some spin off stories
1: um, Which I think we talked about last week, um, that some of the lines have, like, a little... Yeah, like a little um, note or extra. Footnoty like, kind to of thing. find out more yeah. about Hazel's husband's story. I hope they publish those. Me too. Maybe all in one anthology would be. I could. say Yeah.
0: Um... So, it's already available in stores and libraries, so you can already get your hands on it. Um, we did talk about it last time, so I'm not going to cover too much more about it, because I would like to hear about your title. Your...
1: Yeah, um, I Am Alfonso Jones is written by Tony Medina um, and illustrated by Stacy Robinson and John Jennings. Um, this book actually came out in October of 2017, um, but... It's just a book. I, I I haven't heard a ton about it um, beyond I was um, given an advanced copy of it, um, so I just wanted to mention it. This is a YA graphic novel um, in that it's it's being pitched to twelve and up, um, but I think that it goes hand in hand with like Hate You Give and Dear Martin and um, some of the other Black Lives Matter inspired. Um, YA fiction that is happening right now um it's the story of Alfonso Jones um he is like a smart kid, Um, he's very artistic, he's a theater kid, he plays the trumpet, Um, his dad is in prison, but right at the beginning of the book we find out that although his dad has been been in prison his entire life, due to advancements in um, DNA technology, forensics Mm -hmm. technology, um, his dad has just been um, found not guilty, despite wow. being in jail for fifteen years Yikes. and they when they put his dad in jail to like further punish him, they put him in a prison in on the west coast um, and and Alfonso and his mom live in New York, so they can 't ever see yeah. him um, so he writes back and forth with his dad regularly, but he 's never known him he 's never seen him. Uh, He's a high school kid at a private arts high school that um, his mom got him into. um, And throughout the play, they're um, they're talking about Hamlet and, you know, kind of the whole, like, ghost of Hamlet's father thing. Um, And they're going to be performing Hamlet at the school, and they decide that they're going to make it a rap kind of hamilton-esque yeah Um, they don't mention hamilton exactly but that's that's definitely the feeling that you get um and so when alfonso finds out that his dad is going to be coming home the money that he had been saving for a plane ticket to go visit him he decides to use to buy a suit so that when they have a big party for his dad's homecoming he's looking like really fresh Um, And so he takes his girlfriend with him to this like nice department store um, in, um, I think it's in Manhattan, but in New York and they're trying on suits and in the department store um, someone has called the security because they think that he's shoplifting. Um, And when the security guard gets there, he has a hanger in his hand and the guard says that he thought it was a gun and so he shoots him. Um, and the rest of the story is told um, from Alfonso's point of view in the afterlife. And he encounters all of these people on this, like, tr- on, on basically on the, the subway, um, like the afterlife subway. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that they are all um, people who were killed by police officers. And they kind of talk about their experiences and how— um, what happened and why and kind of how they're dealing with it and then you're also seeing what's happening like in the living world with his mom and his grandfather and his dad and his girlfriend and his friends from school and all of that and kind of he even sees like the police officer when he's alone in his room um like crying and um Like I said, I have an advanced reader's copy, so some of the drawings are not complete and the shading is not complete, but I still, even despite that, I thought that the art was really nice. Like, I don't know a lot about graphic novels and why some art speaks to me and other Mm -hmm. art doesn't, but this this art really spoke to me, and I really love there are places where they took actual photographs I can't even say photographs. <laughs> Jeez. Where they took photographs um, from like protests and places in New York and whatever. And they kind of overlaid them with illustrations so that they have kind of this quality. And I'm really excited to see our copy is actually checked out. But I'm excited to go and um, look through the finalized copy of this so I can see a little bit more in depth how they took those photographs and, and made them part of the graphic novel while they were still photographs. I don't know that I've ever seen that before in mm-hmm. a graphic novel. Um, and then the back has just oh, man, and illustrated what they call Ancestors War which is basically going back to Henry Dumas in 1968 who was killed by a police officer um, in Harlem to The last one in this book that I got a copy of is Jordan Edwards, who was killed in April of 2017 in Texas. Um, And they're going to illustrate all of those. And it's not... It's different, all different people of color, not just Black and African Americans. Um, And then the ghosts each get like a small biography at the back as well about who they were mm-hmm. and how they were based on real people. And it just goes back to that discussion of um, the mother in here. she has um, she has this um, kind of a monologue where she talks about like how her son died and they bring her onto these shows and they want her to just cry on camera and and like how they basically make a circus out of their misery and, like, how she sent her kid to the school that she did because it was the curriculum reflected him and his friends and their neighborhood, Um, and she basically says, like, maybe if that officer had gone to a school where the literature and the history and all of those things reflected more than just him, he would have more respect Mm -hmm. for lives like her sons. She was basically like, you know, all he was doing was buying a suit. Yeah. He was buying his first suit and he died. So that's I Am Alfonso Jones. Again, a really great graphic novel. I also love that there's so many different kinds of books and there's fantasy and there's literary fiction and there's graphic novels um, that are all being written to show a diverse perspective and in people's own voices, um, and I think that's really amazing. Um, so I definitely wanted to share that, even though it's it was published late last year. Yeah. So our last section <laughs> um, is about science fiction and fantasy. Um, and one of the books that I wanted to talk about was The Power by Naomi Alderman. Um, She is actually a British author, and in 2017, she won the Bailey's Prize for Women's Fiction in the UK, um, which is kind of ironic for this book, um, and I'll get there in just a second. Um, She is... Um, one of the 20 best young British novelists um, she's been named as. She's actually the co-creator of Zombies Run. I don't know if you've heard of this. No. But it's like an app on your phone where it's like for running. But like basically the app like simu- sim- simulates that. Jeez Louise. <laughs> um that you're being chased by zombies, because a lot of oh, people right. are like, I'll only run if a zombie's chasing me. Um, and so she helped to co-create that game, and then there's also an accompanying book. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, That's great. So this book was published in the U.S. in 2017. It was published in the U.K. in 2016. Um, it's being called The Handmaid's Tale for um, a millennial generation. I think it can go way above and beyond millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of mentors, like we were talking about with uh, Meg Woltzer, uh, Margaret Atwood, who wrote Handmaid's Tale, um, was actually the mentor of Naomi's um, as she wrote this book. So um, there's a reason why it rings that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, the the premise of this book is that the world has kind of flipped on its head and young women like in their teens um this kind of power is rising within them and it's like an electrical shock um and basically they can shock someone to the point of death or they can give them minor shocks to just kind of give them some pain or just like to jolt them back um and it's from this like they find that it's like across your collarbone like that's where this power comes from in women um And the concept comes from, like, electric eels. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, because there's this animal that can do this thing, why couldn't people develop this attribute? Um, And so when women, when these young women start getting this power, they realize that when they touch any other woman, it, like, awakens this power in them as well. And because of that, the power dynamic in the world changes. We're now men are afraid of women um, who could kill them at any turn or hurt them mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and, um, and women are in the roles of power. And it's like, you know, some people use that for good and some people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a quote from the author that I really liked that she said, people say to me, ah, your, no- your novel is a dystopia. And I say, it's only a dystopia for the men. And in my world, nothing happens to a man that is not happening to a woman in the world we live in today. So if we find my world to be a dystopia, then we're already living in a dystopia. Mm. Yikers. One of the other things about this is that it's the premise is that a man writer, opposed to like a woman writer, which Uh is funny because she won this women's fiction prize um, for this book a man writer quote-unquote sent it to Naomi mm-hmm. and she basically took it and published it as her own and she's getting all of... So, like, then we go back to um, Bloodwater Paint where yep. it's like a man is taking credit for a woman's work and now in this world she is she's kind of, again, turning that on her head, yeah. on its head, not on her own head. Because um, <laughs> that would be weird. Um, and t- And talking about... What what would life be like if men experience the world the way that women do? Yeah, yeah. If the if if men no longer had that physical strength as an edge, it's good. I would read it if I were you, mm-hmm. but I'm not you. So you make your own choices. Yeah. <laughs> it exactly There's one that you're super excited about. Yeah, there's a couple. Um, oh, yeah. There's a a new novel
0: coming out by Naomi Novik um, called Spinning Silver. She's the author of Uprooted and the Temeraire series, which for some reason I forgot that she wrote the Temeraire books. Um, And, I mean, we could be friends. She loves dragons and... The Napoleonic Wars and Jane Austen. Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should be friends.
1: Um, and write her a letter. I will also. I have so much writing <laughs> correspondence. This is I like just, Jane Austen AF. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so many yes. So I'm going to get some tea. I got to get my sealing wax out. And oh my gosh, it's the only way. Mm-hmm. Why even bother to send a letter if you're not going to seal it properly? Silly. How will you know if somebody's opened it mm-hmm. before it? Gets to the original recipient. It's tricky these days. Security. Sealing wax. It's the original (laughs) firewall. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because you use fire to melt the wax. You get it? I got it. Okay. Sorry, back to the nerding. (laughs)
0: Um, So she's, like I said, also the author of Uprooted. So now she seemed to have moved away from dragons into the world of um, fairy tales retold. And this one follows Rumpel, the Stillskin story, which now I feel like everybody loves him because of Once Upon a Time. Um, but he's bad news. He he's ambivalent, you know. He's not as bad news as Peter Pan is in that series. Who was his father? Sorry if you haven't seen it. Spoiler. But if you hurt. haven't, it's like been out for a while. Because if I am finally watching it, it's been out for a while. Um. Anyway, so I it, think even I knew that, and I haven't even finished it, the series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's it, it's the Rumpelstiltskin story, and what I love about this retelling is that the main character Miriam is is Jewish, and typically in the fairy tale setting, that is not a safe place for Jews to be. Um. They're usually the characters that are getting their villages burned down or murdered in horrible ways like the anti-Semitism. You don't have to read a lot of fairy tales to encounter that. Um, So the fact that this is now a Jewish heroine who is leading the charge is, I think, fantastic. Um, Her father is a moneylender. He is an awful moneylender because he's super compassionate and a little bit of a pansy. So he lends out all of his wife's dowry, which is the only money that they had but he cannot bring himself to collect the debt. Um, every once in a while, when they're, like, on the verge of death and illness, she'll kind, of, his wife will kind of tap him on the shoulder and be like, you got to do something about this. Um, and then he'll kind of grudgingly go and try to collect the money. But people, um, you know, chase him out of the yard. They'll just tell him they're not going to do it. And he, he just acquiesces and goes away. And so they are... Constantly starving, they're always cold. It's set in. She hasn't said that it's Russia, but she's using words like a kopeck, which is was a Russian currency, and um, some of the words that she used. So it's it's sort of a vaguely Russian setting. Um, but the without na- the, nobody has, has like we twelve
1: have, names <laughs> with, with Russian writing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so she skipped that. That's uh, a nice thing about fantasy, I guess, is that although *Bear and the Nightingale* was fantasy, yeah, and they, they still all did that Russian stuff, yep. and it was based in folklore. Mm-hmm. So, all right, yeah, um, go ahead, Ni- and- Naomi. Two <laughs> Naomi's in a row. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so, Miriam,
0: uh, they, every year she goes and visits her grandfather and her grandmother in the city with her mother. And um, every time they leave, she the last night, her mother and grandmother sit together on the sofa and just like cry because her do- you know the grandmother you know, her daughter and her granddaughter have to go back to poverty. Oh. Um, her grandfather is a money lender um, and didn't want, her, you know, Miriam's parents to get married because Dad had no money and he saw him as weak and and not able to continue in that line of trade, which was true, um, and so that kind of creates this little bubble of coldness in Miriam. Like she just is tired of of the poverty. She's tired of her grandfather being ashamed of them. She's tired of her mother and grandmother being sad. And so she, when they get home to their little village. Um, she kind of decides that she's going to take over. And, and the the final push is when her, her mother gets very, very ill, and she's not going to get better if they don't do something. So Miriam grabs her father's account book and marches around the village and starts collecting money. At first, people don't take her seriously. Um, but she said, you know, this is how much you owe. This is the interest. Give me what you can. I'll be back next week. And she, and with each time she does it, the coldness kind of grows a little bit more. Um, and but they end up with some money with people who can't pay. They'll take a chicken, they'll take a cloak, whatever, and then she'll sell it, and she starts getting their money back. Um, and bear in mind, it's money that that was rightfully theirs. And for years, the villagers who borrowed from them were very happy to watch this family starve and it rather than be honest and repay. So um, you see that perspective, but her parents are worried about her because she is, she's not ruthless, but you can see the path that she's going down. Meanwhile, in the woods, there's these strange cold creatures. They talk about the Staric Road, and it's this white, like I, in my mind, it's just frost. Um, I don't know if that's really true, but that's how I picture it. They just describe it as a white road. And whenever the Staric road is near, it's, it moves. Apparently, um, you need to be very careful. So they encounter the Staric road when she's going to visit her grandparents, and the the Starics go by, and the the person driving the cart actually pulls off into the woods to hide until they pass. So they're mysterious. They don't sound very nice. Um, and they have like their own creatures. There's what trees that are just totally white, and that's a staric tree. You don't mess. You don't cut down that tree. If you encounter um, a white rabbit, you don't eat that rabbit. You don't poach that rabbit because they will kill you. Mm -hmm. Um. So, and they they have a reputation of raiding these villages, um, in search for gold. They're just rabid for gold. Um, and. You know her village. They, nobody's that prosperous, so they don't worry that much. Um, but on the way home from her grandparents' house, uh, a second time after they have gotten some more money, um, her mother is. She can tell us up unhappy with her and happy with um, taking over the father's business. And she argues with her. She's like, "Why are you ashamed of me for being able to spin silver into gold?" Um, and she was not being careful. The Staric Road is nearby. Um, and then later on in the story, her father says, well, you know, I have a daughter that can spin silver into gold. And again, all of a sudden, these mysterious footprints are found around their house. The Staric Road is near like nearer to their village than it has ever been. Their uh, hens aren't laying eggs because they're the Starks creatures that they ride their footprints are all around the hen house and it's you know scaring them and so um somehow through this boasting she's come to the attention of these creatures and one day there's a pounding on the door and when her father opens it there's a pure white bag full of silver coins and the message is clear like they need her they want her to spin this silver into gold or else um and so her her boasting has caught up with her. Mm. Um, so it's a it's a different take, a slightly different take from the original Rumplestiltskin stories. Um, you have a very strong, flawed character, um, and it's like I, I haven't finished it yet, and I'm just that's the one where I'm like dying to get to it. Um, and it's just it's a chilly, looming, magical story. Um, and right now, a very popular. Eastern European
1: Russian setting and that comes out in July that comes out in July um, I didn't come up with three for the power the only one I can come up with is electric <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking on it um, okay our third fantasy yeah um, and this
0: is our our final book um, it's called The Book of M by Peng Shepard again she's a PLA Debut author
1: uh, on that panel that I got to hear. Um, and you grabbed this one for me because you thought, even though it falls into this particular mm-hmm. genre, that it would be something that I would be into. Yeah. Um, it is one of those
0: apocalyptic near future landscapes. Um, and in this story, uh, people's shadows disappear. Um, not everybody's and not all at once it's happening gradually and what happens is when the shadows disappear so do their memories and again it's sometimes it's right away sometimes it's takes time um and somehow uh our memories are linked to our shadows the shadows are the store of the memory it's not necessarily some place in your brain it's your um your shadow and so um, it's kind of like an illness. Um, it's like mystical Alzheimer's or They could describe no. it as amnesia. Um, and what's frightening about this is that not only are you losing your memories, but when they lo- they have this power um, that is tied to this. So if you can't remember that, that deer have antlers, then deers don't have antlers. They have wings, or whatever it is you think. Um, if your favorite color is green, you may not remember your favorite color is green, but maybe like something you own that was originally black now turns green, that kind of thing. So they have this power to reshape reality by accident, and you know they can't control it. You know they don't. They don't know. Nobody really knows, and and because this is happening infrastructure is falling apart and it's not necessarily an advantage to these people because they can't if they're in a room they can't remember how to get out it's like very basic stuff they cannot remember like oh. you can't remember that fire is dangerous so a man walks right into a fire and dies like if they can't remember oh. how to use a door they are trapped in that room and that room may end up changing shape so it doesn't even have a door so it's oh, like it's like whoa. deadly. Um, And people are fleeing cities and they're trying to scavenge for food. And it follows um, a couple, a married couple, Ori and Max. And Max, the wife, um, they've been on the run. They've been hiding in a hotel in the woods and her shadow disappears. And they have a recorded, they're recording her memories. And they have this thing where, you know, he's kind of, they test how good her memory is. And so... um, Ori will say blue, and her answer is fifty-two. And that they went; they their first date was at a football game or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as her memories disappear, she realizes she's becoming more dangerous to him. She's starting to, sh- you know, shift reality
1: around them. So does he? Even though he still has his memories, mm-hmm. the way that she shifts the world is reflected to him as well? Yes. And then so, if somebody else came into that experience, yeah. they would the the world would be reflected. Yeah. Of, okay. Yeah, so like whole there's they describe this um this and like some of these
0: scenes are like so sad when you think about the reality of it. There's a scene where they describe like seeing a row of houses where all the houses look like they had been scooped together like in a huddle. And in the middle there's like a skeleton. Like, somebody starved to death in the middle of that because they couldn't figure out how to get out. Oh, like, it's... And everybody can see that. So it is really, like, shaping reality, literally. Um, and it's, like, the heartbreaking. Oh. Um, like, she's able to, like, write this in a way that you're like, oh my god. Like, oh my god. Um, and because stuff like this is happening, Max decides to run for it rather than put him in danger. And his whole thing is he's trying to keep her safe, keep her safe, keep her safe. And so um, they end up getting separated in all of this. Um, He's trying to find her. She gets kidnapped by this cult that is worshiping these shadow, shadowless people. Um, And, you know, there's like this glimmer of hope in the South, somebody who... Is maybe able to figure out how to restore, if not somebody else's memories, at least memory.
1: Oh
0: wow! Um, and what, the reason I gave you the book is because there's a, a library that figures really prominently into this, and it becomes like this bastion of like saving the world, and and where do you when, when you can't remember anything, where do you go? for like a storehouse of memory and information. Like you go to a freaking library because that's Aww. where that that's where we keep those things. Um and so I think it's a really inventive story. Uh it's perilous and it's gut-wrenching. And that is on sale <gasps> in June. And I have to say I'm fairly tired of Dystopian. But As like rule, she's but like this hitting is some like, notes, you know This isn't this is not this is not typical dystopia. No. and, like, she's writing about a, a married couple. It's not
1: teens, like, and... There's plenty of like, adult dystopian, Right. But, um, yeah. Wow. Did the author talk at all about, like, where this idea came yeah. from? Yeah, so I guess there's a festival in
0: India where, like, in a, I don't know if it's all over India or if it's just in a certain place where literally, like, once a year people's shadows do disappear. Like, the the angle of the sunlight with where people are sitting must be, like, just perfectly right, where there's just no shadow. And so she added that supernatural element to it where memory is linked to it. And to me, there's, like, there's a scene where um, they literally are, like, reattaching shadows. And it made me think of, like, the old Mary Martin Peter Pan. Yeah, with the soap like, on the ship. With the soap, soap. yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. And so I feel like, and I like, I cannot remember if that was part of it, if she was kind of incorporating that P- Peter Pan-esque, mm. or if that's just something that I attributed. Like, like now I it's been to, long that enough that I cannot remember. That was the very
1: first thing I thought of when you talked about that. Yeah. Um, with people losing yeah. their shadows was not just Peter Pan, but specifically the Mary Martin Peter Pan. Yes. So it might just be, like... The descriptor, but yeah. I was just wondering if if she talked about anyone in her family that had like Alzheimer's or anything like that, um, and like the effect yeah. that that has on the people in their life. Yeah, where like they really believe that whatever they're on a cruise ship, right. or that you know they're in, yeah, you know, L.A. when they're actually yeah. in Chicago yeah. or well, and, like, whatever. The, the literal danger that. That they do, yeah, yeah,
0: and that I don't remember. It's okay. been long enough, yeah. Um, but like
1: it raises those. You, but I bet that would ring very true for yeah. a lot of people who have had someone in their life that has lost memory, right? Um, and just how profound and sad it is, and how they don't know that they're losing memory, and that's right. Like one of the hardest things yeah. about it, yeah. yeah. And like, who are you? Who are we without our memories? Right. Um,
0: and and who are we to each other without our mem- like? Jeez. And you know, watching a spouse go through that, and then um, yeah. So this is this is a definitely a book to look out for
1: um, for sure. Wow. Yeah. I'm now I'm extra super excited to read that one. Awesome. So, that I think about wraps up the books that we're excited about Mm -hmm. for the past six months and for (laughs) six months in the future. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Give or take. Some months. Some months. months. (laughs) We don't do math. Um, So, thank you all so much um, for hanging out with us. um, And we will be back with you once again next month, Mm -hmm. um, to talk more books. Um, Back to our usual
0: format. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so hopefully, I mean, you have no excuse. You will find something to read. Mm -hmm. So don't say we didn't tell Mm -hmm. you about some good stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Part 2 of Episode 7 of Three Books, an ELA Area Public Library Podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, engineered by David Olson and produced by us. Our theme music is provided by Lache Swing, and our artwork was provided by Rachel Davis. Write to us at threebookspodcast at gmail.com. That's spelled out threebookspodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at threebookspod and tell us what you're reading. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a nice little five-star review and maybe say a nice thing or two um, if you are so inclined. Um, Thank you to those who have done that. We really appreciate it also stop by ELA library or your own public library to request a copy of the books that
0: you heard about today as they come available um and you can find the title we discussed uh at eapl.org slash three books and we'll add links to our catalog as we uh get the books and
1: uh that's updated so i'm becca boland and i'm kristen weiser We don't have a book quote because we talked about a lot of books and we forgot. So three (laughs) later. (laughs)